0: So if you have your Bibles and you're following along, uh, please read along with me. Uh, it will also be on the screen behind me. So the Word of God reads, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisee, he, he refers to Jesus, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath, will not immediately pull him out? And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees' And they things. could not reply to his things. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But, sorry about that. That's okay. That's all good. Um, just working through, you know, technical stuff, but that's okay. Uh, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to your friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He also said, oh sorry, he said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Then one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things. He said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said uh, to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, so this morning, um, our the, the preaching will be delivered by uh, an, an old friend of mine. He has preached... At our church before, this was when we were doing the live streaming in the middle of COVID lockdowns, and he did a sermon uh, through the book of Habakkuk, and his name is uh, Kevin. Uh, he's a minister currently at Randwick Presbyterian Church, um, and he does some preaching there. Um, as you'll notice, uh, he, he, he's actually not here in person, but he has kindly uh, prepared this word for us, and uh, it will be shown through the video stream. Um, so, um, yeah, th- uh, so I, I mean... Not a warm welcome, but like, let's, uh, let's pay attention to the word that's being delivered through uh, Pastor Kevin um, on uh, this passage from the book of Luke. And the title of the sermon today is The Proud and the Humble.
1: Well, good morning, New Philly Church. Uh, my name is Kevin, if you haven't met me before. I'm a friend of Pastor Dave's and uh, and DJ's as well. I think I might've met a couple of you guys in social events, like at Isabella's first birthday. I've never actually joined you in person before, which uh, you know I'm still looking forward to do some some sometime in the future. Um, but uh, yeah, a couple of weeks when DJ asked me if I would preach at church if I was available, um, I really hoped that I could be there, but unfortunately, um, as, uh, as you now know, um, I'm actually preaching at church, so I'm not able to be there with you in person, but really glad that I can be with you in this way. And, uh, yeah, that we can look at this passage this morning, um, just to let you know that this passage is actually part of a series, this sermon's part of a series that we're doing on parables. Um, we're actually working through the last, uh, sermon, uh, today, um, of the series and uh, we really chose this series because, you know, Jesus was such a wonderful storyteller. He, he told just great stories, which has captured the imaginations of uh, people across the centuries, across the world. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of thought as a, as a staff team, well, you know, these stories, if you really let them, they don't just capture your imagination, but they can help you reimagine the world. You know, what is really important in this, in this world? What's really important in this life? And it sort of challenges us at times as well. Challenges us about the really important things of life. So we sort of thought, well, start of the year, you know, lots of people, well, you know, most people making plans for the year, uh, plans for work, plans for dieting, plans to get healthy. But also, and this is a, a topic that uh, this particular parable uh, addresses, you know, plans to invest in people, the sort of people that you want to be friends with, uh, the sort of people that you want to have in your house and your homes, that you want to invite to your parties. Uh, hospitality, in other words. So, this is a great parable and, uh, yeah, a really great passage. And I hope you really get a lot out of uh, the time that we spend looking at uh, this passage this morning. How about I'll pray and then we'll dig right in. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you and thank you that uh, you, you are a God who is gracious and merciful. You are a God who, in your grace and mercy, you have renewed all things. And you say in your word that if we are if we're in Christ, we are part of the new creation uh, through Jesus, through trusting in all that he's done for us in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we're so thankful that in your grace as well that you give us New beginnings, and at the start of this new year, um, new years are often times when we can, yeah, think back on the year that's past and, yeah, make appropriate changes for the year ahead things that we might do differently, things that we might continue. And so, we thank you for that grace. And we really do pray now for our time together looking at this passage. We pray that you might be with us, we pray that, yeah, you'll be teaching us through your Holy Spirit. Uh, so that we might be transformed to live our lives, spend our time in a way which is more pleasing and honouring to you, in a way that is fitting of the calling that you have given us as your sons and daughters um, in Christ. So we pray for all this in his name. Amen. Well, two people walk into a church on Christmas Day. For Simon, last year had been a great year. Been a very good year for his business, which was a home office supply company. But the extra workload meant that he wasn't able to be as regular at church. But in his mind, he was still better than most. And he had more than made up for it by donating more to his church. That morning, his pastor had asked Simon to lead the congregation in prayer. And Simon was pleased that his gift of uh, eloquence with his words was finally being noticed. What pleased him less, in fact, this really annoyed him, were all the unfamiliar faces that would appear on Christmas and Easter, but then would vanish like a mist for the rest of the year. And so, when it was time for him to get up and pray, this is what he prayed. He said, Dear God, I thank you so much for our church, especially for those in our church who give so much of our time and our money to further its cause and mission. Thank you that we aren't distracted by the things of this world like others are. That morning Samantha was also at church. It had been years since she would set foot in a church. And the previous year had been a difficult one for Sam. Uh, Her workplace, the local RSL, was closed for most of the lockdown. She was behind on her rent. And so that Christmas, more than any other Christmas, she really felt like she needed God. When she walked into church, she found a seat at the very back, hoping that no one would notice her. And the Bible reading that morning was a Christmas classic. Uh, The angel Gabriel announcing Jesus' birth to Mary. And afterwards, the pastor gave uplifting message about Jesus as God's undeserving gift to a world full of sinners. Now, Simon had heard all of this before. In fact, he had heard so many sermons that that they all started to sound the same. But for Sam, each word was like a dagger piercing into her heart, and she felt as if God himself had stepped foot into that tiny church and was speaking directly to her. And for the first time in her life, she knew deep down that he was everything that she was looking for. And so after the message, just like Simon, she also prayed a prayer, but in the quietness of her own heart. And this is what she prayed. She prayed, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And when the service ended, they both got up to leave. The pastor and other members of the church thanked Simon for his wonderful prayer. And for Simon, that was all he ever got. No one even noticed Sam leave. But for her, the best was yet to come. Because high above, on the great white throne, the book of life was opened, and a pen appeared, and on that very morning, her name. Samantha was written in. Two people walked into church on Christmas Day. One was proud and the other was humble. One received his thanks. And that was all he ever got. The other received more than she ever dared dream. Now, as I said, um, this is part of uh, a series on parables and um, as I said, you know, with my intro, Jesus was such a wonderful storyteller. He told stories about uh, almost everything in life. Um, about Planting, building, fishing, fishing, shepherding. And he also told stories that involved really interesting characters. And this is uh, my retelling of one of Jesus' stories. Uh, I've given them the names of Samantha and Simon. And in Jesus' story, you'll find it in Luke chapter 18. They are a Pharisee and a tax collector. Uh, In other stories, there's a rich man who dies, goes to hell, and a poor man who dies and goes to heaven. Well, there's two brothers. One who's lost and is found, and another one who's always lost. Each story has different characters. But really, if if you think about it, each story... In Jesus' parables, if there are characters, they're really the same character. One character is proud, and the other is humble. Or perhaps, maybe it's more accurate to say, one is the proud, and the other is the humble. The proud are those who are firstly proud to God. They ignore God, and they ignore His Word, the Bible, to them. And as a result, their lives are characterized by pride. The humble are those who are firstly humble before God. They know their needs. They know that their needs can be fulfilled only by Him. And so they listen to Him and His word. They receive His help. They trust in Jesus, the source of God's help. And their lives are characterized by putting God and His concerns first in their lives. And so when we turn to this passage, knowing this actually helps us do two things. I think it helps us know what pride and humility look like so that we, you know, as Christians, we can actually grow in our humility and we can weed out the pride. Because I think most of us know pride can be really deceitful. Uh, As a friend of mine says, you know, pride loves to play hide and seek with us. It's so easy to see it in the lives of others. It's just really hard to see it in ourselves. And so Jesus actually helps us in this passage, in the passage before the parable and in the parable itself, to identify areas of pride so we can grow in our humility before God and before others as well. But also, I think he does another thing. It also helps us value humility because pride, being proud, living proudly in this world, it can be really attractive, can't it? You know, the world would often say, it pays to be proud. But Jesus actually says, no, it never pays. Not in the long term. It is better to live humbly and be humble than to live like the proud. And so, as we look at this passage, um, we're going to look at it by looking at the four marks. Four marks that Jesus identified uh, of the the, proud, of, of the proud, of pride. Four marks of being proud. And the first is this, the proud live only to serve themselves. Uh, at this point in the book of Luke, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and on the way he is invited by a Pharisee to a feast. But all's not really well at this party because Jesus we're told is being carefully watched. See, up until this point, Jesus, he's had a couple of clashes with the Pharisees and he's accused the Pharisees and the other religious leaders of failing to lead God's people properly. And through his own teaching and his miracles, he had won the people over. So it's sort of not surprising that at this point in the book of Luke, the Pharisees are looking for an opportunity to get back at Jesus. You know, they want to catch him out publicly to undermine his influence. And so in doing so, they can bolster their own influence in the eyes of the people. And so it's a good plan to invite Jesus to a a feast and try to catch him out. Uh, we're told that this feast is held on a Sabbath, which is the Jewish day of rest. And suddenly a man with a disease appears. Uh, He could have been a plant, planted by the, the Pharisees, or maybe he just wandered in, wanting to meet Jesus. But nevertheless, his presence is useful for the pharisees see what they were hoping for was to catch jesus doing something forbidden on the sabbath uh, according to their traditions healing healing on the sabbath it could be an offense but it's sort of dependent de- dependent on the, the the motivations and the conditions sort of complicated they might say but healing on the sabbath was never forbidden according to god's law in fact It fits into the very reason why God gave uh, his people, the Israelites, the law and the Sabbath in the first place. To love others and to do good. And so this is where Jesus catches them out. Uh, They can't answer him when he asks them if it's lawful to heal or not to heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus points out to them, according to their own traditions... Uh, It allowed them to do good, even rescue a child or even an ox who is found in imminent danger. But for the Pharisees and the other proud people of the world, all they're concerned about is their own self-serving interests, their own agenda. And they fail to do good to those who are in need, who are right in front of them. And they're prepared to even use the vulnerable for their own purposes. See, that's what the proud are like. Jesus, Jesus, no, he's different, he's not like that. He's the one who has come to serve others, which he does by healing, teaching, but of course he will do for many more when he dies on the cross. The second mark of the proud is that the proud love promoting themselves. The thing that they love more than anything else in the world is the sound of their own names. And so they take every opportunity to promote their own names and their own reputations. And this is what Jesus notices at these parties. The guests would arrive and then they'll jostle for the places of honor. And so Jesus actually gives them a bit of party advice. He says, at the next party you go to, why not, instead of looking for a seat with the, uh, why not actually, instead of looking for a, a seat with the somebodies, as you normally do, why don't you look for a seat with the nobodies? Because, well, if you do this, you actually have nothing to lose, because if someone who's really a somebody arrives, well, you won't be demoted. You won't be asked to leave your seat and put in a lower place and shamed before others. But if you choose a lower seat, a place of lower honor, well, you only stand to be promoted and again. Now, is Jesus really concerned about you know these? Silly party contests that happen at these uh, at these feasts. Well, I don't think so. But I think he's actually taking the opportunity to teach them something really value, valuable about humility. And the lesson is found in verse 11. The proud have everything to lose, but the humble have everything to gain. Uh, Jesus' teaching here is similar to his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew where he observes uh, that the proud of his day, they loved showing off how devoted they were to God by, being, by making a big spectacle of their prayers and their giving and their fasting. Jesus says there that when they do this, well, they have received their reward in full. The praise of others, the applause from people, that's their reward, and that's all that they'll ever receive, nothing more. But, he says there, to those who listen to Jesus' words, who pray and give and fast in secret, well, they have everything to gain. Why? Well, because our Heavenly Father sees what we do in secret and will reward us in heaven. So, the next time we feel the need to promote ourselves, remember what Jesus says here. When you're proud, you have everything to lose. or at least, you stand to gain nothing more. But to the humble, and to be humble is really the opposite of being proud, is actually to be like Jesus, who promotes his Father's name and the good of others. And when you do that, when you're humble, you have everything to gain. That's the second mark. The third mark is this. The proud, they only give when they expect something back. Well, they give only to expect something back. Uh, at this point, I think Jesus would have attended many feasts of all the rich and the famous people of Judea, and perhaps he, he started to notice that it was the same people who attended these feasts each and every time, and that was because, well, custom had developed. If you invited someone to your party, well, uh, you could expect an invitation back to theirs. You know, people would w- repay the favour, but for them, this sort of became an expectation. You know, they invited people expecting that this favour would be returned. Uh, Giving for them, inviting became transactional. You give now and you get paid later with another invite. And so Jesus gives a host some advice about hospitality. He says, the next time you host a party, instead of inviting those who you are comfortable with, like your family and your friends and you know, those who you know can repay the favour, why not invite those who you know could never pay you back. Invite the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind, the people who, if we were honest, we would never invite to our parties, let alone into our homes. And at this point, Jesus, you know, his party advice here probably made the people there a little bit uncomfortable. Probably makes us hearing that a little bit uncomfortable as well. You know, All of us, I think, if we're honest, we would say that we prefer to hang out with those whom we are comfortable with. You know, those who share common interests with us. Those who, you know, when we get together and we talk, the conversation just flows. Where our socialising doesn't feel like work. And we like it, don't we, when uh, the guests, our guests, can repay us with, or repay us for our generosity. When they invite us back to their parties. Or maybe they bring a gift to thank us for having them over at our place. Or maybe they just repay us back with uh, the good company that they keep. See, what Jesus says here makes us, I think, a little bit uncomfortable. And maybe, if we're really honest, a tad bit impossible. But we'll come back to this later. Because uh, the final mark of the proud and this is the most fatal characteristic of the four, is this. The proud, they pay no attention to God, and they pay no attention to his word. Uh, a guest present at Jesus' party, at the party that Jesus was at, when he hears Jesus talk about the resurrection, he stands up and he says, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Who is he talking about? Well, of course, you know, he's talking about himself. Uh, the proud only think about themselves. And so what he's he's doing is he's assuming that for himself and those beautiful people around him that just as they have been invited to this feast and they have made it so they will also make it to the great feast of God. And so Jesus then tells them a parable, a story to burst their bubble, to burst their proud little bubble, proud little attitude, their way of thinking. And parable, I think most of us will know this one, starts off with a rich man who puts on a great banquet. He invites many guests. And nowadays, you know, we'll just send out RSVPs on Facebook or by email and, and then wait for them to be returned. But in Jesus' day, when he hold a party, invites were sent out personally by a servant. They would go out first to uh, confirm the attendance and when the feast was ready, they would go out again to fetch the guests. But at this dinner party, in this story that Jesus tells, something unheard of happens because one by one, each of the guests pull out. Now, imagine for a moment, uh, you're getting married. You know, you and your your partner, you wanna do something extra special for all your guests. So you decide to hold your reception at Sepia, you know, on the rocks, uh, one of the best restaurants in Sydney. I think it's still there. I'm not, I think Jen, my wife, was saying it might have closed down, i not sure. Anyways, you go for the best package that money can buy. It's, it's going to be a 12-course uh, degustation. Uh, there's a matching wine list, wine selection for, you know, each of the, the dishes. And there's an open bar. The invites go out. All the guests, they reply, I can't wait. I'll be there. Wouldn't miss it for the world. But on the night of the reception, in fact, just one hour before it all starts, there's no signs of the there's no sign of the guests. And then your phone begins to ring, and you listen to the excuses that each of the guests begin to give. And as you listen, you sort of realize that actually the joke has been on you all along. Because every excuse is lamer than the last one. One person said that they need to inspect. A recently purchased property at 8pm that night. Uh, the next person said that they needed the night off to triple-check their bank statements. Uh, the third one was the strangest one of all. They just said, as a couple, they just said they got they just got married so they can't come. I think if this happened to us we would think, oh what a disaster. What an insult to us. It would be such a slap in our faces. Which is exactly how the rich man in the story feels. The rich man who in the parable is none other than God. He is the one who is preparing a great banquet. You know, the party, they end all parties at the end of time. And his servants are the ones who go out into the world, inviting others to come to it. And yet, the proud will not come. They refuse to come. In fact, they pay no attention to His messengers, to His servants, or His message. They pay no attention to God Himself. Really? And ultimately, it's a slap in God's face. And just as this is true of the religiously proud, you know, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, back then, who paid no attention to Jesus Himself, you know, as God's messenger, teaching, warning them, rebuking, inviting them to listen to him, listen to his words, and to trust him and to follow him as God's saviour, God's king. Each time he was doing that, it was an invitation to God's banquet. And they rejected it. And it's the same of the proud today, you know, who pay no attention to God's messengers. Christians, when we go out, to share the gospel with those around us, it's uh, often can be a, a really hurtful and insulting thing. You know, when we share the gospel, share Jesus with with our friends, our family, those whom we love, and they pay no attention to us, when their only response is to maybe laugh, or mock, or politely uh, change the subject, it can really feel like a slap in our faces. But ultimately. It's not our faces that they're slapping. It's a slap in God's face. But see, not everyone will respond in this way. You see this in the story. There are those who will accept the invitation. Who are they? Well, they are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. They are the outcasts of society. You know, those who are, who are needy and who know it. Uh, in Jesus' day, they were the tax collectors, the sinners, the sinners the outcasts, the prostitutes, you know, those whom Jesus said to the Pharisees were entering the kingdom of God before they were the Pharisees. Why? Because they heard Jesus, they listened to his teaching, and they responded to him by following him. They are the humble. But really, if you think about it, there is nothing really remarkable about their response. You know, in the story, all they've done is accepted the invitation. All they've done is said yes to an invitation of a lifetime. I think the truly remarkable person in the parable is, in fact, the rich man. I think, because most of us are familiar with this story. It's such a famous parable. You know, we would have been taught it at church. Various, if you're someone who grew up in Sunday school, you'd have probably heard it many times. And because we've heard it so much, I think some of the scandal and the surprise is lost to us in a way that for many of the, the hearers who would have heard it for the very first time around Jesus, they would have understood. And I think it comes, actually, if you've got your Bibles open, in the middle of verse 21. It happens right after the servant reports the excuses back to the rich man. Now, just for a moment, imagine you didn't know the story. What would you imagine would come next? Uh, it reads, this is what Jesus says, Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant to maybe go out again and plead with the same guests that they need to come. Or maybe just for the servants to give up. All right, just shut the whole thing down. You know, tell the the band to go home. Just toss out all the food. It is too heartbreaking, too much of an insult. Doesn't say that, does he? The things that we might say, or how we might respond. But the rich man says this go out and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Notice these are the very same people that Jesus, when he gives his own party advice, when he encourages the Pharisees to, you know, when they're looking at their guest list, invite the same people. The crippled, the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. You know, these are the sorts of people that perhaps if we were honest with ourselves, as I said before, we would be quite uncomfortable inviting into our own houses, our own homes, and yet, in the parable, God has no problem inviting these people into his house, into his home. God is not picky with his guest list, as we might be when we think about who to invite to our parties or our gatherings into our house. He's not afraid of rubbing shoulders with those who are materially poor or physically disabled, as some of us might be, nor is he afraid to rub shoulders with those who are spiritually poor, spiritually disabled, as all of us are. That's what all of, we, all of all of us are spiritually poor. We're spiritually disabled. We're spiritually blind. And yet, everyone is welcome in God's house. All that is needed is simply that you'll come. That you'll say yes to his invitation. All the rich man wants to do is to fill his house and to share his generosity with others. I think it's a a staggering thing to think that that is what our God is like. That he's willing to rub shoulders with The nobodies. You know, those who are sinners and losers. Those who the people in our world might just want to ignore. Who will do anything, everything to avoid. Those who the world will frown upon. Well, God is prepared to have those people. In fact, He welcomes them into His home through Jesus. Yeah, I think that's a really astonishing thing about the gospel. All are welcome through Jesus. God is not picky with his guests, with those whom he might share a table with. The outcasts, the outsiders, the nobodies of the world, they're all welcome. And also, the proud. The proud are welcome too, which some of us are. Some of us are self serving, we're self promoting. We only give to Others, when we know we can get something back, well, the proud are welcome too if and when they come to accept His invitation in Jesus. When they come to accept the Lord Jesus in His gospel, accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. See, I think the truly astonishing thing is that God in Jesus, He really is the truly humble one. He doesn't just give advice about how to be humble, but he lives it. We see it in this passage and we see it again when Jesus would humble himself even to death on a cross so that both the proud and the outcast can be brought into his very home, can find a place at the great banquet And when we let this truth really sink deep into our own lives and into our own hearts, I think it will transform and just radically change the way we not just think about the way we do hospitality, but the way we practice our hospitality. See, Jesus not only models to us what true humility looks like so that we can imitate him, he assures us, that for those who are here, those who have accepted God's invite in Jesus, who have accepted the gospel, that they will have a seat at the glorious banquet at the resurrection of the righteous. And even more, that for those who would imitate him, imitate Jesus in his humility, in his generosity, even perhaps that great loss to yourself, you'll be paid back. The best is still yet to come. And on that great day, it will be clear for all to see that really it is better to be humble and to live humbly than to be proud.
0: Amen.